You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 236 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? What's happening in Gina world? I'm great, Valerie. How are you? Uh, yes, good. what's happening in my world? You, well, mm. you know, I have to talk about the Academy Awards that just happened. Oh, okay. Sure. I, don't, I, I love awards season and yes. I did love this, but there's the one highlight for me was uh, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper singing together. I did and there was that something you, were quite you know. I think you must be living under a rock if you don't see if you haven't seen that performance or seen mm-hmm. the final scene when Gaga looks at Bradley Cooper in that way, <laughs> right? And okay. when I saw that, I recognised something. What in was that it? look? Go on. That's the same look yes. I give to Nutella. <laughs> the same look. That's how I look at Nutella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> I've seen that look on you with You've Nutella. You've seen that look. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you think she wants to put him on a spoon and eat him? <laughs> Straight from the jar. <laughs> I would just like to say that I discovered Bradley Cooper well before Lady Gaga. I loved him from ages before she ever met him. I loved him from when he was in Alias. I loved him from when he was doing hosting documentaries on adventure travel. I knew him from way back. Well, I didn't know him, but I loved him from then. Do you know this is a skill that you have, Valerie Koo, because Mm -hmm. uh, for all the time that I've known you, you are very good at spotting talent ahead like way before anyone else does and you've done this with (laughs) many actors and performers you'll you know dig them up and go we're doing a photo shoot with this person I'm like "Uh uh-huh and you'll go no they're amazing they're gonna be huge (laughs) and I'm like I don't see it but okay and (laughs) do you know you've been right every single time you're very good you if you weren't like uh, running a multinational art and writing and whatever it is you do. If you weren't taking over the world, you'd uh-huh. make a very good agent. You'd be, you know, yeah. the who are the people that go around to little bars and discover talent scouts. You'd talent be a scouts. good talent scout. Yeah, yeah, I'd because love I've to be a talent scout. Because I've seen you do that. Yeah, you you would find them not like not when they're done their first or second movie. You would be seeing them off, 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 off Broadway. Yeah, fifteen in a little tiny little pop up in someone's backyard doing a performance. Going, I oh, know you're going to be big. I'll sign yep. you up now. Yep, I saw someone on a beach in a whole other country, um, and I went up to her. 
and that and even though that was say 20 years ago or whatever shortly after that she we she got the cover of um the magazine because I put her on the cover of our magazine and just recently she became the international face of um oil of ole wow yeah you made her career. Does she know well, that? Well, I don't realize? think I made her career. <laughs> but you but I spotted the... her on the beach and I'm wow. like, you are going to be massive. Yeah. But, yeah, very I, – I would love to be a talent scout. That would be so much fun, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Because you can, you can tell when people, you know, um, you can just tell. It's X factor. X factor. It's X factor. And I, I've, I've seen like a lot of – I often get – a lot of very new, fresh, fresh, fresh uh, entertainers, actors. It's like their first role or something. I do their first shoot for them. And there's just – I can never quite put my finger on what it is. It's an energy is all I yeah. can say. But you just know yep. you're going to be huge. Yeah. It's amazing. That's true. And it's so exciting to see you go, oh, I was right about that one. <laughs> so, yeah, you pick Bradley Cooper. Well done, Valerie. I love him. I've loved him for a long time. Mm. Anyway, congratulations to Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Yeah, mm. amazing Good performance. Yeah, absolutely. All right, but this is not a Oscars wrap-up show. This is a show <laughs> about photography. And one of the things that uh, Gina is doing coming up is her awesome tour of Sicily, a photographic tour of Sicily. Do you want to tell us a bit about it, Gina? Yeah. So there's only a few spots left now and I'm getting so excited. I can't wait to go back. You know, I love Sicily. Of course, my family come from there. And this is one of the few locations in the world now where you can go to and have an entire village to yourself. You're not going to be scrambling. There's other parts of Italy that you can go and you, you see those images where you'll see a beautiful shot and then you'll see the wide shot where there's 4,000 tourists with their cameras scrambling all over, you know, in, in, in your frame. But uh, not Sicily and with... Uh, Carm Ruggieri, who runs Sicilian Food Tours, we have found the best places in Sicily to shoot. And this is an intensive. This is like six days of lighting, posing, directing, and post-production. So it's it's going to be really cool. I cannot wait. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, but if you want to check it out and you can't have a look at that link, SicilianFoodTours.com. Absolutely. It's such a great opportunity for people to go and work with Gina one-on-one in a fabulous, exciting, exotic country. Well, exotic, interesting, (laughs) you know, um, country steeped in history. Uh, And Gina will be doing so many shoots live and working on, you know, your own technique and sharing her techniques. And as a beneficiary of much of Gina's tutorial, you know, live tutorials, I can say that it absolutely transforms your photography. So we want to give a big shout out to to Loving Life from the US, who has kindly left us a review on iTunes. Loving Life, which is the name they've given themselves on iTunes, is just got my entry DSLR for Christmas and I'm shooting on manual thanks to your podcast and all the great information. Gina and Valerie are in my ear all day while I work (laughs) and I can't wait to get home every day to practice what I have learned. The best maybe ready for the gold community soon. That is so cool. Thank you so much, Loving Life from the US. 
Excellent. That's so cool. Yes. Can't and wait to you, get you in the gold community. Yes. Yes. And if you want to find out more about the gold community, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, there you go. So come and hang out with us in the gold community. Now let's move on to this week's topic, which is how to get your portraits to the next level using styling and colour with our guest, Diana Mulhern. Tell us a bit about this, Gina. All right, well, this I'm so excited to bring you this interview. This is a masterclass in understanding styling and colour and Diana is an absolute expert in, in this, I stumbled across, I guess nothing happens by accident, but I found her work uh, via a post that she put up on LinkedIn and I just read it and I'm like, oh my God, she, this, this woman's amazing. And you can see that from her pedigree. She's got like 30 years experience in the fashion industry and her clients include uh, working for leading international brands from like Target to Prada, oh my God, and as well as thousands of, uh, not thousands, but lots of uh, Australian designers. She's also worked in publishing and the magazine industry and PR and advertising. Diana knows her stuff. This is an absolute masterclass. And like what I love, you are going to get so many great bits of advice and you'll hear me in this interview uh you'll just hear all the aha moments that I got from this so it's like just like great lighting and good direction the right styling and the right color choices can make or break a portrait and we've both experienced stuff like that Valerie on shoots where to the wrong styling wrong color and so Diana goes into the psychology behind what it is that we're saying when we dress in a certain way because there is a language about what mm. people wear and also the colours we, we wear and she also takes that a step further and talks about how you can use the way you style someone and and I don't mean that you need to style them in $50,000 worth of jewels and gear, but it's the way that you sure. can you can highlight someone's best features or you can uh, direct the eyes to exactly where you want them to be using 
accessories and it's just so fascinating so i i think you guys are going to get so much out of this i'm really excited let's shall we have a listen all right let's have a listen to diana diana malhern welcome to the show how are you going I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. I'm excited to chat to you today. Before we start, where in the world are you? I'm in Sydney. Sydney, born and bred Sydney, well-travelled but always come back. Now, you've got a super interesting background in the fashion industry. What is this something that you always wanted to do? Were you like always wearing your dressing up in your mother's clothes or styling all your friends? How how did you get into um, it? It was something that was always there. I came from a very sort of working class background in the poorer suburbs of Sydney, so I wasn't fully aware of where fashion could take you. But I was kind of the ten. 11-year-old that would save up for fashion magazines, then cut them up and glue them into her own scrapbook to make her own fashion magazines. And that, to me, was sort of my hobby. Um, And I learned a lot doing that, just constantly being aware and critiquing images I liked and didn't. And um, so for me, because I came from such a working-class background, the height of fashion was working at Sports Girl. So my first job out of school was in retail at Sports Girl in Bankstown. And I just thought I was the bee's knees because I was you thought like you've made it right. It's yeah. me done. So, but you know, as you as you travel through life and you you know, one stepping stone leads to the next. I sort of um, I had a moment in um, in kind of business development and finance, but I just didn't have the stomach for it. And I was thinking, you know, in a moment in a crisis moment in my twenties, what the hell am I going to do? And then I thought, well, I should make my passion my work. And so I started doing events and was attracting a lot of fashion labels for events. And in my events, I would do the PR as well because being new to the game, I didn't realise PR and events were two separate jobs. And um, Mm. because, you know, I just operated with an honest and genuine heart, I got really great reactions and got more work and more work and more work. And um, long story short, it culminated in my ultimate dream job which was head of PR and advertising for Prada so that was fabulous and um, it was it was as great as it seems anyone who tells you it's not is lying yes there's work but the glamour is beyond and going to the shows and being surrounded by really intelligent pieces and understanding fashion on a more cerebral level it was exciting Um, but then I got pregnant and I didn't right. want to travel constantly. No judgment on people who can manage traveling and children. I couldn't. So it shifted, yeah. the focus shifted from uh, PR to writing. And my first um, kind of publishing job was I had a full page in the Sydney Morning Herald called Wardrobe 101. And that turned into a couple of books for Thames and Hudson and I've written for Harper's Bazaar and Grazia and various other publications. And um, and then that sort of led, because of that broad experience in PR, advertising, management and then uh, media, um, it's kind of culminated here at this point in my life into coaching. So I executive coach people in luxury fashion. And in your opinion, what, what makes a great stylist? For me, a great style. There are a lot of not so great stylists who are high profile, and a lot of great stylists mm-hmm. who might not have the profile. And the difference for me is that a great stylist is someone who styles for the individual, 
rather than dictating or imposing their own taste onto a subject. It's someone, you know, who takes the time to understand what a person needs to say visually and helps them say it in their own language. And, you know, to do that, you need to be a stylist that operates from great kindness and generosity and putting others' needs before yours instead of saying, look how stylish I am, you need to dress like me. That's so interesting. I noticed that myself over the years working with stylists. There was once that, that they'd come in the door and you, you'd like they'd have a real signature to their look, which was fabulous. But then all their models also look the same. Everyone they dressed, they would just and, and it didn't matter what size the particular model was, they would put them into that that sort of look. And it it doesn't work for everyone. There, you know, there's there's a look that works for certain people, but not for everyone. And I think photography is the same. There are photographers that have a very distinctive style, and they foist that style onto everyone that they photograph. And and I, I was guilty of this in the early days where I used to direct and and pose everyone in the same way and get frustrated when it didn't work for every shot when it worked it was it worked really well but when it failed it failed in a spectacular fashion because of that I wasn't considering the person in front of me and their needs yeah it was an ego thing was all about me going I know what works and this is what works. And I think, it, I think it's an evolution, though, in every career. You need the ego to be brave enough to take the step, but then you need to understand when you fail why you fail, and that's how you broaden your horizons. So I hear what you're saying. It, it was probably a little bit the same for me. It's just that because I was looking at images that couldn't be part of who I was from such a young age, I already had sort of a broad perspective and I would create different characters in my mind and look at how I would dress that character because the whole thing as a child when I was looking at fashion was there was just me. I didn't have anyone else play with on that and you know my mother was amazing she really enabled me she was a factory worker who bought these expensive magazines we couldn't really afford to help me sort of learn and grow through that medium so she was very wise yeah Yeah. that's beautiful that she did that for you do you have a favorite style icon It changes all the time. It's so funny. I tend to be drawn to the creators rather than the icons, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. insofar as let's let's go back to a classic icon is Audrey Hepburn. Yes, I can admire Audrey Hepburn, but I'm more interested in how Givenchy dressed her and why he dressed her and and what messages he was sending through how she dressed her. So I'm, you know, I, I like photographers like Annie Leibovitz. She's got a real narrative to her work in my mind. Mm. Designers like mm. Um, Dior's Maria Grazia Curie and and the sisters who designed for Rodate are are really inspiring to me. And then I also like working for Prada. I travelled to Milan and I love the Milanese women who wear their life on their faces and use, you know, they're not flashy or unnatural, but they just have exquisite style. So, you know, I like people who understand their own style and live it entirely without excuses. Um, I also love the risks that people like Kate Blanchett takes. Her approach to fashion is artistic. She knows how to appreciate construction and fabrication and communication, and she kind of appreciates the artisanal nature of a great piece. And it comes to me from, I think it comes from her innate understanding of art in all forms. Um, And then 
The other people I'm drawn to are people with signature styles like Anna Wintour and, you know, the recently departed Karl Lagerfeld and even Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs. They all had a great sense of self. Those signature styles are integral to, to building a personal brand that's concise and consistent, and that's extremely effective. I agree with a lot of those uh, people that you described there. When it comes to inspiration, mm-hmm. where where do you get your styling inspiration from? Uh, I'm I'm always looking at people. I mean, it's it's a cliche, but it's true. I look at people on the streets, and I look at people who are doing it right. But I really learn a lot from people who I think are trying hard but missing the mark. So wherever I go, I look for opportunities to sit and observe the people around me and I I think about the situations that they're in, how and why they've chosen what they're wearing and what it is they're really trying to convey to the world about themselves and I try to think about better ways for them to be doing that. Um, You know, you kind of, after looking at that for so long, you, you learn to read people's looks really quickly and I never judge people on their choices ever, whether it's cultural or commercial or personal, I I really believe fashion is a language and not everyone is fluent in it, even though everybody deserves to be. So, you know, for example, you you might see, you know, a young girl who's quite large, you know, with a a friend who's a lot smaller trying to wear the same things. She might be wearing a top that's inappropriately small. Um, and, and, And what is she trying to say? She's trying to be part of that that slimmer girl's community, she's trying to be sexy, she's trying to be loved essentially. So I don't look at her and go, oh, my God, get her, that top's so wrong. I look at her and think, okay, she she wants to be attractive. How could I help her do that in her language in a more effective way that will make her more comfortable? Oh, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. The language, yes, I love that. I love what you just said. Yeah, so you never judge. Whenever you see someone making a mistake, it's not because they want to make a mistake. It's because they don't fully understand what they're communicating or then they don't have the skills to communicate them effectively through clothing. You see, like the the thing that I noticed, uh, you know, from a lot of the the parties that I go to and events and things like that, uh, there are people that just own the room and they're not necessarily dripping in designer gear. And then there's the other side where there are people that can afford the luxury of uh, wearing all the latest and greatest and they can be decked out in thousands of dollars worth of gear and they just can't carry it. They don't. They don't have the confidence. But when you see someone with that confidence, they, they really own the room. And, and, and so how does someone develop that sort of sense of confidence and style when they dress themselves? Is it, is it something that you're born with or is it something that can I be mean, developed? I mean, I don't know. I, I, think, I think your environment has a lot to do with it. If you've got a mother who understands that or, or an aunt or a, or a sister or someone who kind of demonstrates it, you learn it without realising you learn it. But for me, it's more about really understanding what it is you want to communicate. So whenever I style someone and when I style a celebrity for a big event, my question is always, it's never what do you want to wear, it's what do you want people to think when they look at you? What what kind of impact do you want to have? And then I work with them on their likes and dislikes 
to create that impact in their style so that it doesn't come across as unnatural or forced. So for me, the styling inspiration, you know, to really understand your own style, what you do need to do is sit down and think about how I want people to perceive me. We're all multifaceted. So there's a lot of different mm. sides to us. It's just which ones do you want to show in a certain situation? The side of my personality that I want to demonstrate on a professional basis is different to the one that I want to demonstrate with my friends. So, you know, right. it's about what is it, a, you know, that I want people to know about me or to feel about me when I walk into a room and how can I best demonstrate that without opening my mouth? Yeah, and it's the kind of the difference, like often you see that the person um, is wearing the clothes, they own it, and then the opposite of that is where, well, it's the, the, the clothes are the first thing that you notice about the person. Kind of usually thing. when it's, they're wearing too, then when they're trying to do too much, they're trying to say too much. And those, that example that you made of people with lots of money who just don't get it right, it's because they're, yeah. they're trying to do the watch and the rings and the top and the shoes and the hair and the, and it's too much for us to look at. There's a French saying that is, um, and I can't say it in French, but, you know, you should <laughs> dress so as not to offend my eyes. And it's, and, and, you know, <laughs> when you look at it, you sort of think, oh, God, they want, you know, it, it sounds arrogant, but it's not. What it's saying is dress so that I, it's not hard to look at you. I want you to dress so that I can look at you and see you, not see a million things and not you. And that's what you've got to think about when you're dressing is, you know, yes, I want to embody who I am, but I don't want to disguise myself in the process. So the more you attach to yourself, the more it takes away from your true essence, and that is in your face and in your eyes. So ultimately, whatever you're wearing should draw the eye up to who you are, your expression. Exactly. So you should be the hero. In So the, the clothes are like the supporting cast, and then you as the person are, yeah, are the lead right. in, in, in that outfit. And I, I talk about this a lot in terms of portrait photography, where if you've uh, like a great portrait, the the model in the shot is the hero of that frame. And so everything else is supporting. So it might be that if you're doing a character portrait of someone, the background is going to help tell a little bit of, of a story about that person. And if it's, you know, if it's a corporate portrait, then there will be little hints in that, in what that person's wearing or the background that says, well, this is, you know, this is the world that I work in. So if you've got someone who is, uh, works in the, say, in the financial sector, there might be a hint of like the, the, the suit that they wear or the colouring that says I'm in, I'm in, you know, serious money sort of sector. And then if you've got someone in the creative sector, then th th their styling might be a little bit more casual that says that like I'm more of a creative person. Yeah. So how do you – how important is – what a person's wearing in terms of uh, how they are perceived. And I want to I do this in two ways because I think for the photographer who is moving around in so, like you might be a photographer that's showing up to a wedding or you might be a photographer that's showing up to a corporate event or you might be a photographer that's coming going into someone's yeah. home, how is what they wear and, and – the sorts of 
clothes that they choose for those particular events, how does that influence how they're perceived? Oh, I think I think that people have expectations in different environments and they want to trust and they and they want to be understood and, and how you come across is, uh, you know, you need to make a connection quickly. So I think I think it's incredibly important in order to make your client feel comfortable and at ease fast. Um, you know, most creatives seem to like to work from a blank canvas, whether it's wearing all black or neutral tones or denim, and it's because they tend to force their crea- creativity externally. I think it's mm. wrong to make a big statement yourself because, like you said earlier, then it becomes about you and not the client. Um, for me, I, I like signature looks in this way. Um, you know, a signature look can enhance the perception of other people. It's consistent, it's strong, it's self-aware, and it shows people you know who you are and you truly own it. Um, and people are drawn to that kind of confidence because it's not brash or demanding. It just is what it is. Um, in, in sort of trying to define your position, um, it kind of helps people understand your point of view. And if your point of view is really strong and you come in wearing, you know, head-to-toe fashion, then it can alienate them. Whereas neutral mm. canvas is, or, you know, something that's blank is a little bit more, uh, a little easier to embrace. And it also says that, you know, they're here for you. They're here to make your mission accomplished or, you know, to elevate you, not themselves. But, you know, it doesn't mean it needs to be boring. Having a signature look, help. it's easier to get dressed in the morning, so that's a really great thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a reflection of who you are. Whether it's kind of a rock and roll angle or a more corporate look, for, you know, to demonstrate an understanding of the corporate environment, or a girl next door, or retro, or whatever. As an artist, you tend to focus your energy externally, so a signature look is easy and effective. But it does reflect what kind of work you're interested in, and and I mean, there's nothing wrong with with doing that and wanting to work within a one certain area more than another, if that's what you relate to. Yeah. Um, in the 80s, because, again, I was into fashion, when I had work experience in high school, I chose to work with a fashion photographer called Robert Butcher. And he, yeah. this was uh, mid-80s, and he was very rock and roll, black jeans. Wait, wait, wait. So let's just set the scene here because I know exactly the era. So mid-80s, uh, Diana, did you have uh, big blonde hair of at course. that point? In the mid '80s, so did you do the um, in the morning to get you? Because this is yeah. what I did. You put gel at the base yeah. of your hair and you flip yourself upside down, and then you dry it with the hair dryer, and it gave you super big hair. Because I had blonde yeah. hair then too, just like Madonna. <laughs> mid '80s, I was lucky. I had a lot of hair, so I didn't have to go with gel, but I did mm. do the upside down teasing, and um, yeah, and it, and it would stay up for you know. As long as I needed it to, and then, um, and 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 you know, it was amazing. It was so exciting to go and work in this studio, this amazing studio. He was one of the leading photographers in Australia at the time. I don't think he lives in Australia anymore, but um, but yeah, you know, you'd go into this space where there were such strong personalities who really understood the um, power of image. And he was someone, mm. like I said, he had a rock and roll vibe about him with 
with the black jeans yeah. and the black boots and the black T-shirt and the biker jacket. Um, and that was his signature look. But it also, even though he was a great fashion photographer, it reflected his interest in music as well. That kind of yeah. rock and roll edge to him. So he had a lot of clientele that were music-based. I mean, at the time that I was working with him, he shot David Bowie, and that was enormous. Wow. You know, Very cool. it's it's he could do one thing, but it also reflected interests in others. Okay, so did I even answer your question? How important is it? I think if you're going to do a corporate event, it's important to make sure that you're fairly uh, classic. You know, yes. if you're going to do a fashion event, you do need to have something about you that makes you stand out, not in not in a in a kind of a look at me way, but even if you had a piece of jewellery that was a great conversation point, it just says that there's more to you than that blank canvas and you understand. So, you know, if you're doing a portrait, it's really important to, to make sure that, you know, even if it's just a white shirt and jeans, to make sure that the focus is entirely upon the subject so that the subject feels special. Because if you compete with the subject, then you'll take away from their energy. Exactly. And I, I remember a story that, and I th I'm, I'm so grateful that this happened, or, or I witnessed this very early in my career. So one of the first, very first uh, A-list uh, events that I shot. And, and so everyone was like, as you can imagine, dressed to the nines, gorgeous. And, and I had at that time, a signature look because it was all I could afford, but it was like black pants and a, a black shirt because I just wanted to blend into the background, but I didn't want to, yeah. you, you know, have anything that would put any attention on me. I just wanted to get in and do my job and get out. And at the time, I remember there was a, another photographer covering the event for m magazines and newspapers who had a very distinct signature look about them where they wore uh, a lot of denim and a lot of jewellery and they, they wore that everywhere they went. So I believe the jeans were like torn and embroidered and then uh, runners and then, you know, the, the top and maybe a cap that was like a baseball cap or something that was – and this would look great on the street, like a really cool and edgy look. But in the – in this uh, A-list event where everyone's kind of all dressed up, this person yes. stood out. And I thought, wow, that's brave. How cool of them to stand out like that. But then the client uh, came up and said, I'm so embarrassed by that photographer yeah. wearing those clothes. And I'm like, oh, wow, the client noticed too, but the client's embarrassed. Yeah. Because you know, it's it's they found that what they were wearing like brought down their yeah. brand, and I remembered that, and I'm like, all right, I'm always only ever going to wear black <laughs> to these events from here on in. I don't want to be that photographer that they say, oh, we were embarrassed. Yeah, having you there. yeah. I mean, there has to be some consideration, even if you are the, the person that wears head to toe denim. You do need to have a black suit in your arsenal for those. Ex and it's yeah. because you've got to consider the client's needs and that's what, you know, that's what a good artist does is consider, you know, yes, you're expressing yourself but you're also considering how your subject feels in order exactly. to get what you need yeah. from that subject. So from our perspective as photographers, we should dress to suit the occasion but in a way that 
obviously you're still going to be comfortable and be able to move around. And I think I love the idea of uh, having one classic outfit that is for those events. And it doesn't mean that you need to buy a new one for each one. Like, are you a believer of buying well and rather than having lots of itsy bitsy pieces or do you have the basics and then you add to those? I think lots of itsy bitsy pieces confuse you. And it confuses mm. your look, and that's where people go wrong. They've got a wardrobe full of clothes and nothing to wear because they're not considering what, again, that fashion is communication and what is it that they want to say about themselves? What is the quality that they want to share? Um, I don't have very many clothes. I don't mind dressing up occasionally. Mm. Um, I don't mind dressing up occasionally, but I do have a distinct style that is a common thread. You know, mm. I, I don't like mm. really loud colors i like loud colors on other people but my personality doesn't allow for it i can't carry it off so i tend to stick with more muted tones and more natural tones and um and with classic more tailored shapes because i feel safe in tailored shapes i feel like tailored shapes are draping on my body in a way that i don't feel self-conscious so that sort of would be more my signature look Um, You know, other people love to wear bright colours all the time and I love that too because it kind of makes the people around them really happy. Um, But they have the personality to to pull off that kind of attention. I don't want that kind of attention. Right. Fair enough. So it's about what you're comfortable wearing. But I don't don't ever suggest you lose your sense of self. It's important that in whatever you do, it's about who you are and how your personality dresses for that occasion rather than completely changing how you look to suit an occasion. I mean, obviously that that photographer in head-to-toe denim didn't want to change their look to suit an occasion, but there isn't any reason why they couldn't have just worn a black suit with a denim shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's the little twist. That's their thread that is common. Yeah. So you can just put take one element and, and that can be that your little signature that you add and, to the And people will outfit. appreciate it and the client would have appreciated that. All right, so let's talk about the little subliminal messages that we give out when we dress. So like as so say a photographer is meeting with a new client, are there any suggestions of uh, wardrobe choices that that might help get them across the line uh, and things that perhaps should be avoided? So like we said when we with the corporate photography or the fashion photography, it depends on who the client is and what kind of image they want from you and what you can deliver. So I think, like I said, if you're going to meet with someone in fashion, you want to demonstrate some understanding of fashion, even if it's just something small, or if you're going to meet someone in the corporate world, you're not going to turn up in your ripped jeans because it's going to be completely alien to what they're looking for. And they'll, they'll think that you don't understand. So again, it's just about tweaking your look to suit that occasion. Um, what I don't suggest is looking like everyone else because then you're not memorable. Right. Um, and if you look like everyone else, it looks like you deliver the kind of service everyone else delivers. Oh, interesting. So whatever you do, make sure there's something about you that generates interest, whether it's a crazy earring or whether it's a, 
you know, whether your hair is your signature or whether it's um, an, it, bright socks with plain shoes, like whatever it is, there has to be something that's unexpected and stands out. Even if you feel like it doesn't fit, it makes you memorable and it says that you have a different view of the world, that you can bring something extra to the moment. That's so interesting. I love that. Yeah. So, and it could be as simple as a, a ring Absolutely. that you're wearing. Or a pendant Absolutely, or just something that attracts the eye in a unique way and that is slightly unexpected. But nothing that hurts the eyes. So you wouldn't turn up with the socks, the shoes, the ring, the pendant and they the hair. They would think you were mad. It's, it's too, too much. much and it's also trying to say too much and then a look like that says I'm more important than you are. I need more attention than I can give you. So it's kind of like you're standing in front of the person and you're screaming. And you're at saying, them. "Look at me! It's about me." Mm. That's so interesting, and so that says so much. That's so fascinating. All right, so let's now bring it back to. So we've got the photographer is dressed, hopefully, uh, in 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 clothes that they that they'll feel comfortable and and say what they need to say and make that model that they're photographing feel comfortable yeah. or hopefully win that gig when they're in the yeah. in the meeting. When it comes to portrait sessions, so there's uh, lots of styling advice that 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 is uh thrown around out there but I I want to come back first to basics uh of color yeah. choices in in portraits. Um, now back yeah. in the day when headshots were the realm of a- actors and accountants I think were getting their headshots and models we printed those in black and white because it was too expensive to print in color. And so like an actor needed a, a certain number of headshots so that they could physically hand out the prints to prospective clients and to agents. And so that's where the whole idea, the notion of black and white prints came from. And so back in the day, it was recommended that when you had your actor's headshot, you wore black because that was the best uh, color for contrast in a black and white yeah. image. So fast forward to today, no one has a black and white headshot no. anymore. But that you wear black, that hangover is still yeah. exists. And I often I'm, I, I there are women, uh, certain uh, women of a certain age in the corporate sector that that love, especially in Melbourne, love wearing black. And I'm always arguing with them. I'm like, you can't wear black because a uh, magazines don't yes. like black in they won't yes. print it and b it drains all the color from yes. from your face so what are some tips on on color and uh in, in in portrait photography and how do you choose what color is the best for someone? so um i think color is probably the most potent aspect of communication through clothing especially, as you say, in a, a world where visual shorthand is exactly how we communicate. Um, I look at people who do want to wear black because it makes them feel safe. Uh, black, to me, is a very um, misunderstood colour. The reason mm. that magazines don't like a black shirt is because it, it's flat, as you know, so there's mm. no interest there. But there are interesting ways to wear colour, uh, to black, if we start with black. Um, you know, mm. if black has texture, then it's more interesting and then it becomes something more. But just wearing a black shirt can come across two ways. 
it can come across as um, well, it can come across as boring, of course. It mm. it's not slimming, but it can also come across as lazy. Because as you say, black is everybody's fallback colour. So let's just go back to the black is not slimming. I know that a lot of people believe that black is slimming, so they'll wear black to look slimmer, and it's no, not it's the case. not the case. Black is about well. You look at a lot of people. If and, and you know, going back to watching people on the streets, I can always tell who's self conscious about their bodies. And in the main, they'll wear black jersey, which is completely mind blowing to me because black jersey would have to be one of the least flattering fabrics on the planet. So jersey is like, is, a, is that that yeah, clingy, clingy t-shirt material or stretchy material or and it hugs all your curves in the wrong way. And they way, pull it, it down over their stomachs or thighs and they create a vertical line exactly where they don't want me to look and I, I could go we could do 2 hours just on black. But having said that <laughs> black creates a silhouette just like any other color. So if you were to wear head to toe silver it would, it, you would, yeah. your body would be perceived exactly the same way as head to toe black. It's just right. the silver's more interesting. So right. black only works if it's tailored or if it's in a great cut or a great fabric. But just because yeah. it's black, that doesn't work. So again, you know, sort of Audrey Hepburn, um, she started with the head to toe black look and she made it really chic, but she was a big as, as big as a toothpick. And all mm. her black was tailored, um, and people people started to really embrace it from that point. But we've been bastardizing it ever since. And now, like I said, it's it's kind of lazy. So if if someone is going to insist on black, then you want to tailor want it, tailored, it uh, to to their you body. Want it tailored or textured? So you want a killer black jacket that might yes. have. Uh, lapel that's a slightly contrasting fabric to the body of the jacket so that you can see definition so you might want a yes. tuxedo jacket where the jacket is wool and the lapel is uh silk so there is a definition you're yes. not just a black blob under your head or you want to use something like a lace or a tweed where there is texture where there is interest where it's not just flat black but there's something happening in that that supports the black. Um, if you're really looking for black, my suggestion is black and white because black and white as a colour combination says what you see is what you get. Right. And it's very – so I don't mean a black jacket and a white shirt. That's been done to death. But maybe it's a black and mm. white shirt or a black and white top. So you've still got the comfort of right. the black but you're creating interest with the contrast. Right. So if, if you have a client and, and so it can look great and it can look great on any size yeah. body, but I think the, the key here is that the word tailoring. And so I think one of the things that I suggest, uh, if, if a client can't afford to go and buy a tailor-made you know, yeah. suit, is to you can buy off the rack and then take it to uh, – you know, one of those 10-minute ten, ten uh, little sewing places and get them to tailor it to your body for not a lot of money and then suddenly you've got a, a suit that's off the rack that actually yeah. fits the body And the properly. key to that is shoulders. If it, 
It has to fit shoulders. across the shoulder. If it- right. So, so as photographers and when uh, – so the first thing I do when I'm doing a portrait shoot is I get the person to try on all the clothes that they've brought in and then you're looking for the correct fit. So when we're looking at someone in that, that, that jacket, what is a good fit across the shoulders? What are we looking for? You want the shoulder to sit right at the edge of where your arm meets your shoulder. You want – not coming over the edge. It's not like the shoulder pads. And if you've got bigger wings. arms and you come over the edge, you're going to have kind of an indentation above the arm and below the shoulder that's going to yes. kind of call you out. And if it comes in too right. tight, if you come in more narrowly on the shoulder, which if you think your shoulders are too broad is a good trick, you have to make sure that your sleeve has got a little bit of volume right at the top to cope with the top of the arm. If it if there's a curve from your shoulder over your arm, then it doesn't fit, it's too small. And if right. there's too much fabric waving about, then it's too big and that and that looks disheveled as well. It has to sit right on the shoulder and fall straight down your arm. And then if it's uh it's got a button properly. So and and Yeah, um, if you want a button Across the middle, no, no puffing, Yeah, if right? you want to button it. I mean, I don't generally yeah. button because I find it too formal for most things um, and mm-hmm. I find that a black suit or, you know, a tuxedo or a, um, something like that, there's enough formality in the cut and the shape. I don't need to add more. You want to always make sure that the person seems um, kind of open and approachable. So I don't, yeah, generally, okay. I don't generally close it at the front because that kind of it gives the perception of someone who's very closed and guarded. That's interesting. So just on that, that 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 also in in a real life situation, I was uh, taught that if you're meeting with someone and you're wearing a jacket, you should always wear the jacket unbuttoned because that makes you perceived as being more open. That's correct. Is that right? And that's mm. where. Yeah, that's, so that's where all of this comes from. I mean, it's just thinking it through. And everybody has knowledge that they've gleaned throughout their lives about this sort of stuff. They just don't consider it. And once you consider it, it becomes very obvious and very easy to manage how you control your image. Right. Okay. So we've got the the ta- the if we're wearing black, lots of texture, it gives yeah. it depth. Right, and that's great advice. If the person is insisting on yes. wearing black, and then it needs to fit the body correctly, so you particularly you're paying attention to how the shoulders uh, sit across across the body, and also uh, you make that call about whether you. So on that open closed jacket, I personally, when I'm doing corporate portraits or you know lots of uh, guys in a group wearing suits. I tend to button, say if they've got three buttons, I tend to do the top and the middle yeah. and leave the, the bottom one open. And I, I find it, particularly if the guy uh, or the girl is uh, has, uh, it, it tends to look quite untidy when you see the tie and the shirt and the creases and, and, and there's a lot of that going on when the jacket's open yeah. rather than when it's closed. It just... To me, it always looks tidier. Well, and, and it does if that's the, um, you know, in a, in a kind of an 
open situation. Look, in a fashion shoot, that shirt would never be creased. <laughs> exactly. When you've got someone who's like, and 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 what happens on in a fashion shoot is if the shirt doesn't fit, they'll slit the back of it and they'll tape it to the model's yeah, body. Yeah, that's right. In, but in real life, it, again, it just really depends on what that person wants to portray about themselves. If they're saying yep. this is a formal occasion and I'm occasion and I'm stepping up to the plate, or I want to elevate myself, or I want to appear um, kind of more serious, then yes, button it up. But if you're someone who just doesn't want to be perceived that way, then buttoning it up is kind of sending a message that is against what you want people to think about you. All right. So if you have the opportunity and the time in a portrait shoot that you can style it so that the shirt fits beautifully and it's not creased, then you can have the the jacket unbuttoned, which sort of indicates that that person is open. Yeah. And, and, and and you would sit right. in a way where it opens naturally. You wouldn't just yes. stand straight up. You would just stand straight yeah. up and have the the, the – jacket unbuttoned you would be sitting in a more relaxed pose where it's natural that it would be open so i mean as you know all images are layers they're all images are layered yes. with meaning and so you would use the pose to complement what you're doing with the clothing all right something i'm getting and sorry i'm just as i'm remembering them uh, i'm going to ask you so we, we're, we're still on color but we're just uh just a little sidetrack here on the the jacket a length of the sleeves, how much of the shirt should show? Okay. Uh, yeah. What's the rule on that? And, and, and then how much of the tie should be uh, visible, like below the belt line? Is there a rule on that? So firstly, the shirt under the, the cuff of the shirt yeah. under the actual jacket. I, is there a I rule? don't know. I, look, I don't know if there's a rule. I haven't really had a look at that. But for me, it's generally about a centimetre and a half. I like to see a cuff out, yep. stick out because I like, again, I like layering. And for me, I like that extra little layer that, that mm. kind of draws the attention to what I would, you know, I like nice watches. So I like that little band yep. that draws attention to my wrist where the watch that I like is peeking out. So for me, um, that's what I do. I don't dress a lot of men. So so far as the tie is concerned, I always revert to advice from my husband who is impeccably dressed. So right. and we're also with tie selection. His selections are always better than mine, so I have to refer to him for advice on that. So I could be more helpful <laughs> on that one. <laughs> no, that that's good. That centimeter and a half is uh, a great advice. So back back to the yeah. color. All right. So we've covered black, black textured. What what are some other colors, and uh, what how are they perceived? Okay. So we've, let's take a look at blue because blue is universally mm. um, everybody's favorite color. Um, mm. Different different shades of blue have different meanings. So a, a darker blue is more about being trustworthy and and serious and having authority. So you'll find that the majority of police uniforms around the world are blue because they command respect and they're trustworthy. It's not because blue was a cheap fabric or whatever. It's more it's more considered right. than that. Um, a very reliable blue is a very reliable colour in its darker tones. But then when you look at lighter shades of blue, 
there's a more openness and creativity and an open mind. And the, the kind of what informs that is the open blue sky. The possibilities are endless. So subliminally, we when we're wearing light blue, people have that open sky mentality. So that's sort of one way with with blue. Um, if you look at red, red's a really strong colour and red oscillates from, you know, love to war based on um, on its context. So red can mean passion. Red physiologically has been proven to elevate the heart rate. Um, right. You know, I've been known when I've gone to meetings where I need a um, – where I need a response and action quickly, I always wear red because people are, their heart rates are elevated so they're inspired to act quicker. And they have Interesting. So depending on the context, red can mean love. Um, it means blood. So it can mean fear. There is a study uh, the University of Pennsylvania did with apes because um, they wanted to see whether the reaction to red was learned or innate. And this particular breed of ape, I can't remember what it was, very close to the human um, DNA. So they thought, how would they react? And they sent all these students in in different coloured T-shirts, green, yellow, blue and red. And they found that the apes viewed the people car- – oh, all these people carried food in so that the apes would engage with them. And the apes um, – treated the people wearing red shirts very suspiciously and refused to take food from them. Yet they were happy to engage and take food from the people wearing other so other colours. So it proved this study proved that the fear of red was an innate fear. So, you know, depending on your context, it elevates the heart rate no matter where you put it. You just got to, with the layering of your images, decide whether that elevation it was going to be towards you know more, a more amorous type of thing or a more fear-based kind of thing but whatever you yeah. do red makes an impression when I wear red because I'm quite a strong personality I always wear it in really soft fabrics otherwise it's uh-huh. too loud it's too aggressive a statement so I wear red I want you to respond to me and I want you to act but I wear it in softer shades so that I'm not viewed as um too aggressive or like I'm on the war path because that can really, you know, some people really shy away from that. Some people react to it, but most people will back off from that and I don't want people to back off from me. So that soft chiffon or silk that I wear red in, just the the texture and the movement of the fabric because of the softness takes the edge off the red. But oh, that's yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, it's a really, you know, there's a lot to consider. Um, you know, pink's another one. Really, really pale pinks are considered sweet and nurturing, um, you know, from little girls to older women who wear pale pink. I often make the joke that, you know, the lady next door wears pale pink. She could be dealing out hash cookies. We don't know. She's sweet and nurturing. Um, but then when you go to um, – you find that a lot of girls that are just coming out of school wear a bright pink because they've been in uniform for 13 years. They want to break out and embrace the world and bright pink is, yeah. you know, a way to get attention but in a safe way. And then you've got deeper shades of pink that are very seductive on a more subtle level. So they're as seductive as red but they're a little less aggressive. So if you're going on a date and you really want to get amorous but you don't want to be really obvious about it, my suggestion is that you wear a deep pink. 
Oh, rather than red, which is too in the face and you might scare the... Uh, yeah, red, wearing red on a date, unless it's someone you know well, can be considered too aggressive and can inspire that fear uh, response that is innate in all of us. All right, so I, I'm going on a sidetrack now. What's the best colour for a guy to wear on his Tinder profile and what's the best colour for a girl to wear? Oh, sorry, sidetrack, but I just I thought of it. So I, do you know I've never, I've never seen Tinder? Uh, if you're going to wear pink, it has to be a deep pink. Don't make it a bright pink because mm. that's too youthful and immature and don't make it a mm. pale pink because then you're just too sweet and innocent and too scared. You know, people mm. people kind of feel a little more nurturing towards you rather than amorous towards you. Um, like I said, I'd wear a deep a deep pink for any kind of seductive thing. Or you know, if you want to demonstrate that you're a really happy person, then wear an orange based red or an orange because orange is considered kind of ambitious but also very happy. I don't know if you remember years and years ago and and. Market advertisers spend a lot of money on color psychology. And years ago, I think it was Clinique had a fragrance called Happy, and all yes. the packaging around that fragrance was orange because mm-hmm. studies showed mm-hmm. that orange, the color orange, makes people happy. Um, another really vibrant color is yellow, but you've got to be careful of yellow because yellow is the hardest color for the human eye to process. Oh my god! Yes, I can't deal with yellow. I don't know Look, what to do for with it. A, a short burst. It's it's fine, and often if you temper it with grey, it's a lot more it's a lot easier to process. But if you're wearing yellow, or if you want to make a happy impact, and you're only going to be in front of someone for a minute or two, yellow is great. But if you're in front of someone for half an hour, they start to get quite angry at you, and they don't know why. And it's because their eyes are getting really tired. Again, that that French saying, "Dress so as not to offend my eye." Their eyes are getting really tired, and they start to get really agitated, and they think it's with you, but it's actually with the colour that you're wearing. That's so interesting because I've always had an aversion to yellow as a background or anyone, like if someone comes to me and they've got seven tops and three of them are yellow, I always say, no, not the yellow, not the yellow, but I'll avoid yellow backgrounds. And and I never understood why. Now I know. There you go. So, you know, every colour has, you know, we have reactions to every colour. And culturally it's different around the world, but with globalisation that's being homogenised, you know. There are some cultures that are really strong like India that will have um, very distinct ideas about colour that are different to the rest of the world. But if you're really looking at a lot of Asian countries, we are becoming more homogenised and we're we're all starting to speak the same sort of language. So if you take the time to really look at colour and what it says, you can layer extraordinary meaning not only on yourself but through your images. So when it comes to styling, what are some... What are some tips for dressing, say, let, let, like different body shapes? So let's go with maybe a. You're not going to get a someone who is a perfect, you know, size, uh, you know, size one or size eight yeah. in you know Australian measurement. So what happens when you get and they can wear anything basically? Yeah, they coat hang. What happens if you get someone who's um, a plus size or very tall? Or what? What are some tricks that you use for that? Um, I always go back to the client. Um, like I said, first question is, what do you want people to think about you when they look at you? Second question is, mm. what do you like about yourself, and what don't you like about yourself? Um, I never presume that I think that their stomach is too big or their bum is too big. I never presume that that's yeah. their particular bone of contention. I ask them what it is. 
that they like and they can't say I don't like anything there's always something that you're you know what do you hate the least or whatever and I look at highlighting that area and rendering the the rest insignificant so if I'm working with a plus size person and she likes her shoulders I'll make sure the shoulders are the focus whether they're bare or whether there's some sort of jewelry that draws the eye towards it or whether the cut of the, the the dress enhances it or the garment enhances it and I'll render the rest insignificant so I'll place the bling or the color or the interest up at that level and I'll put the rest in a very monotone color now depending on what the portrait is for whether it's white or gray or black or navy blue so long as the part that is most interesting is at the part that they like about themselves and still draws the eye up to the face. That's what I look to do. So, you know, so far as there are so many variables, as you say, backgrounds, this, that, and the other. But for me, it's all about the subject and the subject feeling good about themselves so that they beam. Yes. And so it's what do you like about yourself and what don't you like about yourself? If it's your hair, let's make sure your hair is amazing and everything else is quiet. If it's your butt, I love that you say that and everything, the hair is amazing, but everything else is quiet. And it's like, I just got this visual of turning up the volume on the hair and turning down the volume on everything else. So take the time to get to know your subject and they'll appreciate it and say, well, what is it that you really, you know, feel comfortable with? What do you think are your best assets and what do we want to hide? What do you want to just ignore? What do you want me to draw the viewers attention towards and what you want do you want me to view the uh, viewers attention to draw away from and and they'll appreciate that because then they'll know it's a considered image it's something that that you're really Mm. thinking about looking after them emotionally rather than just you know taking a picture that looks nice and that's so important. It's how they feel when they step on the set. If you've got them, if if they have their hair and makeup looks beautiful and their style, they feel yeah. really fantastic in their outfit, they're going to step onto that set with that extra edge. Yeah. They're going to feel confident. And then at the photographer with the right lighting and the right direction and, you know, suddenly they, they'll feel a million yeah. bucks and you're right, they beam they and ultimately really it doesn't matter what you put them in if they're not beaming it's not going to work and mm. then and and you know it's it's it, you might have images where you don't want them to beam and then you put them in things that don't make them feel good you control the emotion that they convey yes. based on what they're wearing so you know you've got to decide what you need from that image and direct it and you know then there are different contexts fashion is about making things look fresh and adding something unexpected even if we've seen it a million times before corporate is about professionalism looking knowledgeable trustworthy approachable lifestyle is about who you are what makes you feel comfortable how you want to be perceived it's all what what is the story we're telling with this image and what are the layers that we're creating to give that story depth you know all, all clothing choices are emotional all clothing choices are exactly. you know we have desires and expectations to fulfill when we choose a garment when we're in a shop picking a piece there's hope and desire in that piece even if it's just a t-shirt you know yeah knowing what what those desires and expectations are um 
is what helps you pull together a really concise look. And most people don't know what they want to say or haven't really thought about it. And that's why their wardrobes are filled with nothing to wear. Or that's why they're wearing clothes that just they never feel fully comfortable in because they haven't thought about what is it that I want to say about myself and which of these pieces are saying that for me. Yeah, so true. Um, so just finally, I think the uh, the one point um, particularly for women is their arms. Yep. So often that will be a shot that, that when you ask them, you know, what what's the body part you don't like? A lot of women say, I don't like my arms. And I've seen that with, you know, even smaller sized women just don't like how their arms look. What, how do you style arms to make them look amazing? Um, if there's something that you don't like um... – drape it with something that takes the attention away from it. So, of course, you would never put a fitted sleeve on an arm that someone doesn't like. You you put an interesting yep. sleeve on the arm. That way the sleeve is the interesting part and not the arm. Um, I, right. So, you know, I, whether it's um, an interesting fabric that is gathered on the arm, definitely always a fuller sleeve because it makes the arm look longer and leaner underneath. I I have this yep. gap theory, GAP theory, that if there's an area that you don't like about yourself, always make sure there's a gap between it and the hem of a fabric because that gap always makes the eye think that what's underneath is longer and leaner than it is. And what all right. So, okay. So if you've got someone wearing a T-shirt, you wouldn't have the sleeve as a fitted sleeve tight on the arm that makes the arm look bigger. You you allow the like a, a space, so you'd have at a, least a, a wider... space of at least you know a centimetre. Yep. But really, if the arm was a real problem, I would put a full sleeve on it because then the sleeve is the focus and not the arm. So something yep. with a lot of volume or something that makes quite a statement apart from the arm you know I always say if you really like your neck the last thing you want to do is put a great big necklace on it because the necklace is the feature not the neck so you if you yeah. don't like something put something on it that takes the attention away I don't really like my waist but I wear belts and I wear belts with specific buckles because then the buckle is the focus not the waist and it draws eye into a small part which is the buckle, and it tricks the eye into thinking that my waist is smaller than it is. So put something on it that takes the attention away from that piece. If you do like your neck, then what you do is you put a really fine sliver of gold or silver on there so that the eye is attracted by that glint, but because there's not a lot of interest going on, it's drawn past that glint to the neck itself. Do you Oh, that's so interesting. So you wouldn't, if you have a great neck, don't put a chunky necklace put on really it. Nothing or something Just a fine slight. one. I mean, nothing works, but a fine one will just draw the eye to that, to where you want them to look. But because there's nothing to stop the eye, it goes beyond that to the neck. You know, I always say to people, if, if you don't, a black T-shirt on someone who doesn't like their body is stupid because there's nothing to stop the eye. So the eye looks for interest. If I'm just wearing a black or a white T-shirt, because there's nothing interesting, the eye goes beyond the T-shirt to the shape underneath it. Whereas if I'm wearing mm. a T-shirt that has a motif on it, the eye stops at the motif and doesn't look for the body underneath because there's a, a there's a point of interest on top. Right. So you're using a, a, a accessories to keep the eye moving around I'm, the frame. Okay. I'm using right? accessories so, to draw the eye where I want it to go. Interesting. I've never heard it described like that. I love it. It's just good to look. Yeah, that's fantastic. So not too many accessories because if there's 
an explosion of accessories, the eye just gets confused and hurt. And the, and the right? other thing too is that overkill means that there's nothing to stop the eye on. There's too much to see, so you just go beyond it. Whereas mm. if it's one well-placed strategic piece, the eye goes straight to it. Yep, and then moves yeah. to the next place and That's- the next place without focusing on uh, def- anything that, uh, you know, the, the, the client feels is, is not their strongest And then it point. doesn't hurt my eye to look at you. There's interesting things going wow. on, but you're not forcing me to work hard to see you. Fantastic. I've learned so much today, oh. Diana. That's fantastic. I, as I said, I could talk to you for another five hours and uh, I'll probably get you uh, back on the show uh, at, at some point because I'd love to uh, do a deep dive in some other areas. So um, if people are interested in this sort of stuff, where, where can people well, find um, you? Wardrobe101.com.au is my website. It's really just a um, an electronic flyer. If you're really interested, you can get me through my email on that site and, um, you know, mm-hmm. ask me what you need to know. I'm always up for talking about this stuff. I'm passionate about it and I really think people deserve to know how to best put their best self forward, you know. Fantastic. And as I said, I've learnt so much. I do appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, thank Thanks you, again. Gina. It's been great. There we go, Deanna Mulhern. I love how she says, dress so as not to hurt my eyes. That's so cool. (laughs) I know, and that applies. I can remember, Val, when I was still allowed to use uh, font on any project we worked on together, there was one point where you just said you came back with an email because sometimes you don't have – you're not very subtle, are you, Val? It's not It's not your strong point. <laughs> you just came back. I, I picked this font. I was so proud because I have this blind spot for font and you've come back and she's like, you, you said, oh, my God, my eyes. <laughs> so I guess that applies to everything. You know, think about that before you dress yourself, choose a font, <laughs> pick a colour, think about the other person and you don't want to hurt your eyes but how good is that like finding out black is not that slimming yeah Who right knew? okay it's a myth well yeah it's a myth yeah but you know mm. for you that's uh the pink is a great color to wear you you love your pink love pink yeah that's fantastic true. so that mm. was uh i i so enjoyed that i think that's one that i'll uh, go back to and listen to myself a few times so many aha moments and Diana is uh, has a great website. It's called wardrobe101.com.au. Definitely worth checking out as well. So um, that was awesome, Diana Mulhern. Uh, all right. So what are you doing in the coming week, Gina? Okay, so I've got a couple of lifestyle shoots this week, and I'm also working on the critiques for the gold community this week and oh, yes. some tutorials and welcome to all the gold new gold members that we've had and uh in the last uh, week or so a fantastic seeing them come through and uh yeah that's and looking at nutella like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> gaga <laughs> looks at bradley that's my new thing <laughs> okay you <laughs> That's a bit concerning. Um, what am I doing? Okay, I'm still sort of catching up on um, quite a few things, but I'm getting there. And then I'm, I need to actually put some time aside to write a book because I'm writing a book. Yeah, I always feel <laughs> or so. Or co-writing a book. 
I always feel so like I'm not doing an oh oh Val, I'm giving a TED talk. Yes. This week. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wait, wait, sorry, did I say that no, right? Right. I'm talking to Ted. <laughs> uh he's the guy up the road this week. <laughs> you gotta be careful, you gotta Yeah. So I'd yeah. Talking to Ted this week. Yeah. <laughs> That's my That's week. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait <laughs> to hear your TED Talk. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Where do we find you online, Gina? You find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. New website design. So go check it out. Uh, and... Um, on all social media at Gina Militia and you can also find me in the goal community. So if you're thinking about taking your photography to the next level, I'd love to work with you guys. So go check out the website and click on join the community. What about you, Val? Uh, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you connect with both of us in the listener community on Facebook. It's free to join. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.